0: Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I've got a very simple message that I want to share this evening. Just a a simple thought that the Lord has uh, put on my heart that I want to expand on a little bit. Concerning the connection that the Bible makes over and over and over again between sin and sickness. Now some people might take that out of context and and conclude that sickness is the result of... Of individual sin if you're sick then it means that you've missed god and sinned in some way or another but that's not the context that the bible places these two subjects in psalm 103 beginning in verse 1 this is a psalm of david bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul and forget not all of his benefits now we know that this psalm is um, inspired of the holy ghost We know that David was prompted by the Holy Ghost to to speak these words out and record the words that he spoke from his heart. But I want you to notice what the Holy Ghost prompted David to understand or prompted David to to speak. Now, let me me make another comment or two about this. And that is, I don't in any way believe, it's certainly possible, but I don't in, in any way believe that David is finding out by revelation of the Holy Ghost the things that are coming out of his mouth. These are things that he knew. These are things that he was aware of. These are things that uh, that, that he already was cognizant and, and, uh, and uh, well, like I said, as, that he knew and aware was aware of before the Holy Ghost prompted him to say these things. You, anytime the Holy Ghost, uh, well, not anytime. Most of the time that the Holy Ghost will prompt you to say something, it will be something that you've seen and realized in your own heart that just comes bubbling forth by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. That's got to be what these Psalms of David were, and there were a lot of them. David's worshiping God, minding his own business, so to speak. Worshiping God, and these things just start pouring out of him. Well, it's not revelation that's pouring out of him for the most part. There are a couple of times, a couple of Psalms where that was the case, where he went in and out of present time versus uh, uh, prophesying or foretelling the future. But for the most part, the ones that David is just uh, blessing the Lord and And magnifying the Lord, these are things that he already was aware of and got excited and inspired by God to speak out because of what he knew. Well, notice what David knew Bless the Lord, O my soul, bless his holy name, and forget not all of his benefits. He must have known what the benefits of God are. Well, what are they? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Thank God he forgives our sin. Who healeth all thy diseases? Thank God he heals all our disease. Who redeems thy life from destruction. Who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Now let me ask you a question. He goes on and says some other things. But those really cover the benefits that he's, uh, that flow forth from his heart. The things that he's aware of and the things that he's magnifying God about. Let me ask you a question. How did David, and we assume that this was a psalm that he... Um, sang unto the Lord before he became the king of Israel we assume this is one that uh, uh, that came forth when he was a shepherd boy and so forth as most of the Psalms of his are some of them were still when he was king but many of them were when he was a shepherd boy this seems to be one when he was, before he was made king of Israel how did he know that God heals all your diseases along with forgiving all your sin how did he know that that's a lot more than most of the modern day church knows today We've got years and years, hundreds of years of experience to add to what David had to work from. But David knew something. Now, how would David know these things? Well, David was a um, good Jewish boy. And as such, he had been taught by his father and his father before him about the history of Israel, about the goodness of God and God's dealing with the children of Israel. He knew in Exodus chapter 15... What is it? Verse 25 where it says God identifies himself as I am the Lord that healeth thee. He knew that. That was a part of their history. He knew in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 25 where God said and you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. He knew in Numbers chapter 16 that all of Israel was healed from the plague that came as a result of their rebellion against God. They were healed because of the atonement that Moses made on behalf of the people. This is when Korah and those stood up against God and there was a plague that went out through the, the camp of Israel. And uh, I believe it was 144,000, something like that, 140-something thousand that were killed by the plague until the, before the atonement was able to be made. But as soon as the atonement was made, the price for sin and sickness, a type of the price of sin and sickness was paid, that plague was stopped and every person was healed. Everyone was healed. He knew in Numbers chapter 20. Or Numbers chapter 21. About how Israel. When Israel rebelled against God again. And the fiery serpents came into the camp. And Moses was given instruction. To put a brass serpent upon a pole. And everybody that looks on that brass serpent. Will be healed. Everyone. Not just a few. But everyone. What Jesus said in John chapter 3. He said that that brass serpent on the pole was a type of himself. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He said that was a type of himself. In other words, that brass serpent on the pole was a type of sin and sickness, the price being paid for sin and sickness. David knew these things. David knew over in Deuteronomy chapter 28 where he talks about the the curse of disobedience goes into great detail about the curses that will come on Israel if they turned away from God he knew in Deuteronomy chapter 28 many of the sicknesses I'm sure that had been referred to and identified specified as part of the curse of the law but in verses 16 and 61 he said moreover he speaking of God will bring literally a law upon thee all the diseases of Egypt because of their disobedience, not because God's trying to do something. It's not in the causative sense. It's in the permissive sense. Moreover, he will allow upon thee all the diseases of Egypt which thou wast afraid of, and they will cleave unto thee also every sickness. Everybody say every sickness. sickness. Now, there are 14 different sicknesses that are identified in the Deuteronomy chapter 28 as part of the curse of the law. But then God went further, knowing man's propensity to rebel against the truth of the word, God identifies that every sickness, not just the 14 that are mentioned, but every sickness and every disease is a part of the curse of the law. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law, then will the Lord allow upon thee, bring upon thee, King James says, literally allow, it's in the permissive sense again, until thou be destroyed. David knew these things. He knew that sickness was a part of the curse of the law and that could be overcome just like sin could be overcome by obedience to the word. Now turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53. David knew those things, and then hundreds of years after David, Isaiah comes along and sees some things by the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 53, everybody agrees that this is the messianic chapter. In other words, it's talking about Jesus and the work that he would accomplish on the cross. Notice in Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4 well let's start in verse 3 he is despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows the word sorrows is the word pains and acquainted with grief the word grief is the word sickness he is despised and rejected of men a man of pains and acquainted with sickness and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we esteemed him not surely everybody say surely. surely it means no doubt about it surely Now, remember, Isaiah is not just saying this because this is the way he wants it to be. This is something that's revealed to him about the future work of Jesus. The Holy Ghost inspires him to say, surely he has borne our griefs. Again, that's the word sicknesses and carried our sorrows or our pains. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Now, the word born and carried are Levitical terms and they mean to lift up. The word born means to lift up. As to take a burden away. And the word carry literally means what it says. It means to carry it off. So it says he's lifting up our sicknesses. And carrying away our pains. Now this is not talking about God doing some special work. If he takes a liking to you. It's talking about that which was accomplished. By the work of Jesus on the cross. So we could look back, since the cross has already been completed, the work of the cross has already been completed, we could look back and say, this is what Jesus did. Isaiah is looking forward to see what Jesus is going to do, the Messiah is going to do. We can look backwards to see what he's already done. Amen? Surely, he has lifted up our sicknesses and carried away our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Now look down to verse 10. We usually stop reading with the earlier verses. But verse 10 is of great significance. It says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. See that word bruise? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Let me read this to you from some other translations. This word grief is the word sickness. Let me read to you from some other translations. uh, I've got a big long list here. Let me just pull out a few. The Jerusalem Bible says, Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him by disease. The LEB says, Yet Yahweh was pleased to crush him. He made him sick. The literal version says, But Jehovah pleased to crush him to make him sick. Complete Jewish Bible says, Yet it pleased Adonai to crush him with illness. Young's literal translation says, And Jehovah has delighted to bruise him. He has made him sick. Folks, that's a literal translation. The literal translation is not, He has put him to grief. The literal translation is, God made Jesus to be sickness. It doesn't mean Jesus hung on the cross and got cancer. It doesn't mean Jesus hung on the cross and got tuberculosis or AIDS or anything else. It means Jesus was made to be sickness just like he was made to be sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says God made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, Jesus paid a price. The price for sin, the price for sickness. Now, did you notice that it said God has bruised him and made him sick? Notice also in uh, compare that to verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Well, everybody understands that transgressions and iniquities are sin. And notice it says that he was bruised for our iniquities. He was bruised for our iniquities. Verse 10 says the same word bruised. using exactly the same Hebrew word for bruise. He was bruised to be made sick. It It pleased the Father to bruise him. He has made him sick. I want you to notice the bruising. Same act of bruising on the cross. Same act of punishment. Connects sin and sickness. In other words, the blood that Jesus shed to pay the price for sin... Was the same blood that Jesus shed to pay the price for sickness. The same penalty of sin that was laid upon Jesus. Jesus never sinned. He didn't sin on the cross, but God made him to be sin. Not through personal action or wrongdoing on Jesus' part, but because he was the substitute and the sacrifice for mankind. God made Jesus to be sick, just like he made him to be sin. Same work Same bruise, same blood. Over and over and over again, the Bible connects sin and sickness as being a part of the finished work of Jesus. Now turn with me over to Acts chapter 14. David knew these things under the Old Covenant. What about us? Acts chapter 14. Let's start reading in verse... uh, well, I guess we better start in verse 6. It says, they were aware of the plot to to, um, to harm them. And so they fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and under the region that lies round about. And there they preached the gospel. I want you to notice what they preached. They preached the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? Well, the word gospel means good news. But what do we understand about the gospel? Well, the gospel means the finished work of Jesus. The gospel means that which Jesus did to pay the price for us. It means Jesus dying on the cross and the benefits that it that accrue to us because of his death, burial and resurrection. That's the good news, isn't it? The good news is what belongs to us because he died and was raised from the dead. Otherwise it's not good news, it's just news. If there's no benefit to you and me because uh, due to the fact that Jesus did die on the cross and be, and was raised from the dead then why would it be called good news? No, it's good news because it benefits us. It's good news because he paid your price and mine. So I want you to notice that Paul there preached in Lystra and in that region, there they preached the gospel. Would any Christian fail to agree that this has to mean that they told people about what Jesus had done for them? That's the only thing that would qualify as the gospel, did not it? well notice what happened and there sat at Lystra verse 8 a certain man impotent in his feet being a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked the same heard Paul speak now what did Paul speak well he's preaching the gospel so he's speaking about Jesus and what Jesus did for us the same Paul heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice stand upright on thy feet and he leaped and walked Now, folks, I'm going to remind you that Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The fact that the Bible says very specifically the Holy Ghost knew what problems the modern day church, our modern day church would have with the subject of healing. So the Holy Ghost headed it off at the pass. Doesn't mean everybody accepts it, but he gave us the answer. For those that are willing to hear and accept the truth. He says specifically, he meaning the Holy Spirit tells us specifically that Paul preached the gospel at Lystra. And the hearing of the gospel caused a man to have faith to be healed. What does that mean? That means in Jesus, in uh, Paul's preaching about what Jesus has done for us, healing had to have been included. You can't have faith to be healed by hearing about water baptism. You can't have faith to be healed by just hearing that Jesus died for your sins. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. If he had faith to be healed, he has to have heard Paul speak or preach about healing. The point here that I'm trying to make is the early church understood that healing was part of the gospel. Much in the modern day church would disagree that it still is. So I have to ask you a question. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to imagine anybody disagreeing or arguing with the fact that the Bible says that they preached the gospel and then Paul's gospel brought healing. Healing has to be a part of Paul's gospel. By the way, the Bible tells us to preach Paul's gospel. It gives us Paul's doctrine as an example to, to believe and to follow and to preach. So if we know conclusively, and we do, since we believe the Bible's true, we know conclusively that Paul's gospel included healing. If the gospel of Jesus doesn't include healing today, then what changed? Did God change? Well, the Bible says God can't change. So what changed? Now, some would say, well, that just worked that way. While the the apostles were alive. When the last apostle died. Then all that came to an end. I want you to notice folks. That that's impossible to, to fit this situation. That explanation cannot fit this situation. Because Paul is not preaching about the power that he has. Because he's an apostle. He's not healing in his own name. He's preaching the name of Jesus. He's preaching about what Jesus has done. Now, is it possible that what Jesus has done changed from the time that Paul was alive to when now that we're alive today? Well, no, what Jesus did is what Jesus did for any age and every generation. So what's changed? I would submit to you that the modern church has changed the gospel according to their own thinking. I would submit to you that the gospel is still the same no matter how we preach it. The work of Jesus is the same. That which was accomplished by Jesus on the cross is the same, whether we accept it today or not. Jesus paid the price for sin and sickness at one fell swoop. Now I want you to look with me to another witness. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. We've given you several. Turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Peter's talking about the work of Jesus here on the earth and the work of Jesus on the cross. And notice he said in verse 24, he said, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body, on the tree, meaning the cross, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, no, there's no doubt that he is paraphrasing or we might even say he is giving us a commentary on Isaiah 53 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. The difference in Peter's paraphrase or reference back to Isaiah 53 5 in the way that Isaiah said it is that Isaiah is looking to the future of what the Messiah would do. Peter's looking back some twenty years or so. To what Jesus did do on the cross. But here's the point I want to make. I want you to understand two things. First of all. That the Holy Ghost who inspired Peter to say these words. And to record them for us. Connected sin and sickness. Just like he's done throughout the whole of the Bible. Sin and sickness are connected. Relative to the work of God. And the work of Jesus on the cross specifically. The second thing I want you to understand is Peter knew that in the days of the early church from which the Holy Ghost gives us a record for our day, Peter knew that the work of Jesus included healing for the physical body. Now, folks, you just can't escape that truth. I know the devil will tell you all kinds of things about why it doesn't belong to you, and he'll try to tell you that if you were just good enough or if you just had enough faith or whatever the case might be, that that healing would be yours. I know all those arguments and all that, that line of reasoning that the devil brings. But you overcome lies with the truth. And the truth of the word of God is very simply that Jesus has already paid the price, the same price for sickness that he paid for sin. There's not one more thing that needs to be done for you to receive your healing, at least not on God's end. So many times people want to come up and have me pray for them. Pastor Mike, pray for my healing. Well, what are you expecting me to pray for? What are you looking for? Well, I just believe that God's going to do something and heal my body. Well, what's he going to do? Is he going to bring Jesus back to hang on the cross for another 30 seconds for you? See, the folks, the Bible says the cross has already been completed. The work of the cross has been completed. It's finished. Jesus isn't coming back to the earth to pay one more price, one more moment of penalty for you or me or anybody else because he doesn't have to. The price has been paid. Finally, let me show you James chapter 5. Here's another witness from the early church. Verse 14, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, notice it's not the anointing, notice it's not the elders. And the prayer of faith shall save, literally heal the sick. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Now notice this, and if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Notice James makes the same connection that Peter made, that Paul made, that David made. That Isaiah made. And that we have record of throughout the Bible. Notice the connection between sin and sickness. Now notice what James is saying. James is saying the same prayer of faith. The same prayer of faith. The same prayer concerning faith in what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And with his stripes we are healed. The same faith to exercise in the finished work of Jesus. Jesus accomplishes healing and accomplishes forgiveness of sins now folks if it's a different prayer of faith and James didn't tell us then the Holy Ghost has misled us if it's a harder prayer of faith or a harder work of faith to receive healing for the physical body than it is forgiveness for your sins then the Holy Ghost has misled us by not telling us so But in fact, he says it's the same work. He says it's the same prayer of faith that heals the body as what forgives us of sins. I want you to notice one other thing about this in verse 14. He says, is any sick among you? He didn't say, are some sick among you? He didn't say, are there many that are sick among you? He says, by the Spirit of God, is any sick among you? What does that tell us? Well, since healing for the physical body, the only means of healing for the physical body that's provided for, for the early church, was the prayer of faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Then that by definition means that the work of Jesus on the cross concerning sin and sickness was accomplished for every person. Otherwise, he couldn't ask the question, is any sick among you? He's saying it belongs to every person. No matter if you've got a headache, if you've got incurable disease, is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. And let them, the elders, pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. That's just symbolic to the Holy Ghost coming upon them, all being a type of the Spirit of God. And then notice what does the work. The symbolism is great, but notice what does the work and the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith. Faith always ends in the glad confession. It's mine. I have it now. So the prayer of faith has to end with, the prayer of faith concerning healing has to end with, healing is mine, I believe I receive it now. Now, how can you pray that kind of prayer? Well, there's only one possible way to do so, and that is if healing was already accomplished by Jesus on the cross. Which the Bible says clearly it was, and the early church gives us several witnesses to that effect. James gives us one right here. Is any sick among you? Let them, the sick among you, call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with all in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith, the prayer concerning the finished work of Jesus on the cross shall heal the sick. Shall heal the sick. Shall heal the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. I want you to notice folks. Our job is to pray the prayer of faith. And stand in faith believing. God's job is to raise us up. The Lord shall raise him up. And if. Sin is not always connected with individual sin. But sometimes. On rare occasions that's the case. And if that is the case. If he's committed sins. Then the Lord will forgive him. Those will be forgiven too by the same prayer of faith. Not a different prayer. The same prayer of faith brings forgiveness of sins. That brings healing for the physical body. Folks, the Bible says over and over and over and over again. That sin and sickness have both been paid for by the shed blood of Jesus. The work is done. Amen. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank God because his word is true. Oh, Father, you didn't have to tell us what was done. You didn't have to do it in the first place. You didn't have to plan for Jesus to come to the earth to pay an awful, awful, terrible price for the sin of mankind. But he did. He did so willingly, not for himself, but to restore us back into the Father. Thank you, Father, that sin and sickness have been paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you that the same bruise that Jesus took that brought forgiveness from sin is the bruise that he took when he was made to be sickness for us. Lord Jesus, we trust you as our Savior, the Redeemer from sin and the Healer of our bodies. The Healer of our bodies. Now, Father, we know that the symbolism Of the anointing with oil. Is not necessary in every case. It's okay to do it. But it's not the oil that heals. It's the prayer of faith that heals. So in the name of Jesus. We believe. That we receive the healing. That Jesus paid for and accomplished. For our bodies. Now. According to the word of God. In Jesus name. Thank you, Father, because we believe we receive, because we stand strong in faith, refusing to move and be waver, to waver or be moved from our belief. We thank you that you are now in the process of raising us up. Father, we thank you that we're healed from the top of our head to the soles of our body, whether it's a muscle ache or whether it's an incurable condition. From the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Jesus has made us free. From every sickness, every disease, every infirmity, every pain, every evil work. Brought upon this earth by the devil. Thank you Lord. That healing is ours. Thank you Lord that you redeem our lives from destruction. And crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Thank you Lord. Healing is ours. In Jesus precious name. Now if you agreed with that prayer when I was praying it. I want you to say amen. And saying amen very much means. That's what I say. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well alright now let's thank him that it's done thank you Lord that we're healed thank you Lord that healing is ours thank you that the prayer of faith has healed us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet thank you Lord that you are raising us up you're doing a supernatural and even a miraculous work maybe unseen at the moment but it will be seen in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus So, Lord, all that's left for us to do is to praise your name. All that's left for us to do is to give you glory. Every time we think about it, many, many times each day, we shall lift our voice in praise, thanking you that healing is ours and that you are in the process of raising us up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being our healer. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you. It's so good to be healed, Lord. It's so good to be healed, not because we look like it, not because we feel like it, but because your word says so. It's so good to be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. You know if that simple truth would ever really dawn on our spirits and this is the way that it does you see what the word says you accept what the word says you begin to say what the word says and then all of a sudden you see what the word really says. When the revelation knowledge of God's word that simple truth that the price for sin and sickness have both been equally paid someone once said that revelation knowledge is like an explosion Of truth in the inside of you. I like that. When that revelation knowledge comes. The devil will never be a match for you. Never again. Amen. Well say it with me. I believe I receive. My healing. According to God's word. Because Jesus paid the price for it. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. That's all I got. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for being with us.